0: Hello, everybody. My name is Andy Hill, and I'm here with my music partner, Renee Safir. We're the folks who bring you Dylan Fest every May. Welcome to the 11th installment of Talkin' Bob Dylan.
1: For a couple of weeks, we've immersed ourselves in asking Bob Dylan the question What were you thinking? In Part 1, we talked about songs he hasn't deemed worthy of much or any performance. And in Part 2, last week, we began our discussion of great recorded works that he chose to leave off albums he was working on. Now, the song Caribbean Wind, one of my favorites, was written and recorded for his 1981 release, Shot of Love. Fans of Bob Dylan know that Shot of Love is the album that follows his two fundamentalist Christian albums, Slow Train Coming and Saved. Now, for decades, in 2017, Bob Dylan has been known for how little he speaks during performance. He'll occasionally say hello, or goodbye, or he might introduce his band members. But in that period, from 1978 through the early 80s, he was more willing to share his thoughts from the microphone.
0: I first saw Bob Dylan in 1978 with the band that he played with on his Live at Budokan album. It left a big impression on me, though the details are foggy. I recall he left the stage while the band continued to play, which was pretty cool. And Mr. Google tells me the final song I heard that night was the classic Changing of the Guards, which, looking back, was a harbinger of things to come. Quote, I've moved your mountains and marked your cards, but Eden is burning. Indeed, he would change directions significantly. He was talkative, and the set list was chock full of hits, plus three from his newly released album, Street Legal.
1: Now, you can pick up various books and read about the details of his personal life at the time and also his artistic challenges, The street legal tour was nicknamed by the band members the Alimony Tour with respect to Bob's divorce from Sarah. He was questioning his artistic relevance in a world now dominated by drum machines and a Studio 54 mentality. Consider. The pop world of the early 60s that Bob Dylan decimated with his lyrical infusion was a world in which... For example, between the years 1960 and 1962, some rendering of the word twist was used in a song title at least 28 times. Now, in all 28 renderings, the reference was to the popular dance. Not one of these titles suggested an alternate usage, a simple twist of fate, for example. Now, this was standard songwriting procedure.
0: The domination of disco in the late 70s, likewise, was a return to a musical art form entirely as escapist, with a stunning narrowing rather than expanding lyrical component, where, just as with the earlier example of the twist, songs in the late 70s about dancing eye-rollingly contained the word dance, <laughs> i.e., the word dance was deployed without even the attempt at metaphor, additional layers of meaning, etc., so often as to be almost definitional of the genre. That was the world Bob Dylan, a man of words and word play, was releasing Street Legal into.
1: Now the Rolling Stones, thanks to the gelatinous metamorphosizing <laughs> ability of Mick Jagger, could somehow get away with this on Miss You But Bob Dylan, he chose another direction. He became a fundamentalist Christian.
0: I saw him just a year and a half after my Bob Dylan maiden voyage in Canada at the University of Denver, where, parenthetically, I met Renee. Dylan's show was at a small theater called The Rainbow. The radio stations announced he would be playing only songs from his new album, Slow Train Coming, and unreleased material. I'll never forget this part of his stage banter. Now imagine the front man is saying this with the kind of self-confidence and projection that a singer might say, Are you ready to rock? Okay, here's <laughs> Dylan. How many of you out there are of the blood of the lamb and a bunch of Christians? Woo! Yeah, doggy, yeah, and then Dylan, how many of you aren't? That dead air that you just heard on the radio, some of you were just about to change the station, that was the nature of the uncomfortable silence in the rainbow just after Dylan's inquiry that night.
1: Now, Bob Dylan began to emerge from his fundamentalist immersion with the release of Shot of Love, an album which contained the song Every Grain of Sand. And the song begins, In the time of my confession, in the hour of my deepest need... And in the second verse, Bob sings, I gaze into the doorway of temptation's angry flame, and every time I pass that way, I always hear my name. Later, he sings, I've gone from rags to riches in the sorrow of the night, in the violence of a summer's dream, in the chill of a wintry light. Paul Nelson called every grain of sand the chimes of freedom of Dylan's Christian period. Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits once wrote in his song Solid Rock, when you point your finger because your plan fell through, you've got three more fingers pointing back at you. The lyric of Every Grain of Sand is directed inward, as opposed to so many of the finger-pointing songs directed at non believers on slow train coming. And as Bob reflects on his own motives, frailties, and life choices, and he ponders the nature of his success- and his role in it, etc., we listeners, in that cosmic act of empathy, the grand achievement of the language of music, well, we look inward as well.
0: But he left off the album Caribbean Wind. There are several sets of lyrics to this masterpiece. One version was included on Biograph in 1985, Musically, that's my favorite version, and it's the one Hard Rain used to create our rendition for Dylan Fest 26. In the years after Biograph's release, I would hear an alternative version that included a reference to the pain of infidelity and the image of earthquakes, train wrecks, and hate words scribbled on walls, and what I like to interpret as an autobiographical line, but I heard my name and destiny said to be moving on. So lyrically, I combine some of my favorite lines from two different versions. It's fleshed out by some great guitar solos by Joe Cacavo and Kirk Macon and the always inspiring Marty Rifkin on pedal steel. Finally, it's got a huge chorus, where we're joined by our friend and longtime Dylan Fest participant, Fuzzy Thurston. Later in today's podcast, he'll sing a Bob Dylan song for you. So here's a song. That wasn't good enough to put on shot of love Bob Dylan's Caribbean Wind. This is hard Rain, Dylan Fest 2016.
2: I uh, want two three. It's called Caribbean Wind. Lost boys and friends in the Pentagon Doing a show in Miami In the theater of divine comedy Taught me in the shadows talk in the rain I could tell she was still feeling the pain the pain of rejection Pain of infidelity Was she a child or a woman I can't say which almost with dancing and I Just agree to agree Buttermill kills and calls Every new messenger bringing evil report Out armies on the march And time that is short Earthquakes and train wrecks And hate words scribbled on walls Would I have married her? I don't know, I suppose She had bells on her braids And they hung to a toe He said to be moving on.
1: <laughs> you're <Yeah>. fuzzy <laughs> all right that's fuzzy that was uh Edo Tanreaddy on the drums and Dave batty on the bass all right well the next album Dylan released was 1983's infidels arguably the best song on the album wasn't on the album yes we're talking about blind Willie McTell oh wait a minute there's an Asterix next to the song. Andy scribbled on my uh, my notes here. Now, Andy, what is that about?
0: Well, there are so many great songs on Infidels. My personal favorite may be Joker Man, but there's Sweetheart, like you, I and I, License to Kill. Just a phenomenal album to my ears, and I didn't want to leave that sentence unexplored just because it was funny.
1: Oh, so know? it's your disclaimer. Yeah. You don't want to get, like, you know, hate mail from somebody out there who's, you know, like Michelle Crotty, whose favorite (laughs) song is Sweetheart Like You. Is that what's going on? Exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, we never let the truth get in the way of something funny. So uh, I always say that. Andy, you've heard me say that how many times?
0: That's right. It doesn't have to be
1: true to be funny, right? Right. Okay. (laughs) Now, Blind Willie McTell made its way to us initially. Via an unmarked cassette tape. Was it, you know, left in Funkin Wagnall's porch in a mayonnaise jar? Is that (laughs) maybe?
0: You know who you might remember this girl's name. It's Margie Harris's good friend. Used to live up on uh, near Venice Beach. Um, Big Bruce Springsteen fan.
1: Derry Silverman. Yes.
0: (laughs) The tape was given to me by Derry Silverman, Margie <laughs> Harris's friend, about 1986, 87.
1: All right. Well, uh, that tape at least started out about 1986 uh, to 87, of course, pre-internet. And we had to deduce from the sound of Dylan's voice and the sound of the band what period it was from, a little detective work at hand. So there were two versions, both great. The acoustic version would be included on the the bootleg series, volumes one through three, four years later in 1991. There is an electric band version with the Dire Straits rhythm section and Mick Taylor on slide guitar, and, and it's just magnificent for its own reasons. Now, at one point, Dylan claimed that Blind Willie McTell was left off the album because, quote, it wasn't recorded right. We know how much he paid attention in so many other songs, so I guess he was really sensitive about the Blind Willie version. Now, um, we know he's a real stickler that the microphones are placed properly, as this quote reveals. The mixing process proved rather tense, as Plotkin and Dylan had conflicting ideas on how to mix the songs. Plotkin made numerous prototype mixes, delivering each one on a cassette dub over to Dylan at Rundown Studios. Most, if not all of them, were rejected. Chuck wanted to get a nice mix at the end of each song, recalls Jim Keltner, and Bob wouldn't have any of the nice mixes. Most everything you hear on that Shot of Love album turns out to be the monitor mixes.
0: To clarify, the monitor mixes in a recording session are the mixes each musician hears individually in his or her headphones. They are adjusted specifically to the needs of each player, a drummer, for example, may want to hear more of the bass and rhythm instruments and less or no vocal at all.
3: More cowbells!
0: <laughs> and a vocalist may want to hear more or less of any number of things.
1: More me and the monitor!
0: <laughs> what the monitor mix isn't is what an audience member or radio listener wants or is expected to hear. So, Blind Willie McTell wasn't recorded right. <laughs> The band covered it in the 90s and included a version on their 1993 release, Jericho, at which point Dylan tried a more convincing yet red-herring-filled rationalization for its absence from infidels.
1: Dylan's quote, I started playing it live because I heard the band doing it. Most likely it was a demo, probably showing the musicians how it should go. It was never developed fully. I never got around to completing it. There wouldn't have been any other reason for leaving it off the record. It's like taking a painting by Monet or Picasso, going to his house and looking at a half-finished painting and grabbing it and selling it to people who are, quote, Picasso fans.
0: Yeah. Blind Willie McTell is exactly like that. (laughs) Like looking at a half-finished painting. That's what it is. (laughs) Listening to Dylan explain away these things makes us want to paraphrase another Dylan song that was presumably recorded wrong or half-finished. The song is up to me, left off blood on the tracks. His explanations to these ears don't, quote, amount to anything more than what the broken glass reflects. See, here's our buddy, Fuzzy Thurston, delivering Bob Dylan's too lousy and obviously incomplete to be included on a studio album song, Blind Willie McTell.
4: All the way from New Orleans to Jerusalem, will I travel through East Texas when many martyrs fail? And I know nobody can sing the blues like Blind Willie McTee. All right, well, I heard that hood singing. As they were taking down the tea. And the stalks above bare wooden trees Was on the other Chaco, just every lady Can turn the feathers away I know nobody can sing the blues like a fly I well, See the big plantation burning And I cracked another way With some fine young handsome babe He's dressed up like a squire Ladies and gentlemen, give yourself a round of applause. For what's the heat, for what's standing the pain of the week, for what's standing whatever what ails you, I want you to know that today, there's a cue. We're all here together, to sharing that cue. You know why? God is, in his God is in his heaven, and we are one for Thank you.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Well, Fuzzy's also known by his real name, Craig Gross. So we want to make sure we get that out there. Now, that was uh, Kirk and Joe just sounded great playing a uh, guitar on that. It was awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. My name is uh, Renee Safier, sometimes known as the California Cupcake, <laughs> and I'm here with uh, my goofball partner, also known as the Pelican, Andy Hill. And we're the producers of Dylan Fest, which is held every May in the Los Angeles area. In addition to our love for Bob Dylan, we have 15 CDs, including nine CDs of our original songs. And you can buy our music and find out where we're playing at our website, which is AndyAndRenee.com. So if you're in the LA area, we perform every Friday night at Portsacall Restaurant in San Pedro, among other places. You can find our performance schedule on our website as well. So take it easy.
0: But take it.